wish to greet each one of you in Jesus' name this morning. I was thinking as I was sitting here of a young man, maybe he wasn't so young, maybe a middle-aged man, uh, that was featured in the News of Advance here, oh, about a year ago, I think. This was a, a convicted criminal, and he was jailed for killing... Uh, it was it was a first degree murder, and I think he may have he may have killed several people. And he was he was convicted. When he was convicted, he told the guards, or he told the judge, I think he told the guards, that uh, not to put him close to any other people because he said I'll kill again. And uh, I don't know if they didn't take him seriously or if they just thought they had him covered. But sure enough. Uh, within a set amount of time, I, I, I think it was within months, he had somehow managed to lure another prisoner. He was in solitary, well, he wasn't pure solitary confinement. He was, he was uh, had his own cell though. But he managed to lure another prisoner close enough and, and managed to get a hold of him, reach through and, and, and tie something around that prisoner's neck, that other fellow prisoner's neck and, and actually kill him. Uh, choke him to death. And uh, the reason I'm bringing that up is that it, it reminded me a bit of what we heard this morning of the children of Israel saying, it's no use. We can't change. We can't, um, we're just going to keep on our path. We can't make a, make a change. And, and how hopeless that would feel if, if you were or I were in that situation. Thank God we're not. Praise the Lord that we're not. That He's offered us the hope of, of uh, change from our sinful natures and desires. But this morning, this morning uh, <clears throat> the message is titled The Planted Tree. And, and I'd like to, to think a bit about you know, that, that person that didn't think he could make a change or that people that didn't think they could make a change and reflect a bit on how beautiful it is uh, to be uh, in a good place. And, and we'll look at that some as we move through this message. Trees. Uh, we recently had a, a, a bar mitzvah, a modern-day bar mitzvah uh, for a young man. And uh, we were asked to share some thoughts, and my thoughts were on trees. I had actually been developing uh, some thoughts for a message, hadn't put them down on paper, and so I moved that over. And so I'm going to share those thoughts this morning. Some of you will maybe get a bit of a double dose, but it's been expanded a bit, so hopefully it won't uh, won't be too boring. Um, I find trees fascinating. I'm not necessarily a tree hugger, and there would be people that would call me everything but a tree hugger to the extreme because being involved with uh, developing makes us have to move out trees. And, and there's times that the interest of, of developing uh, overrides maybe the interest of the tree. And, and so therefore, anyways, things happen. And... Uh, but I, but I really do love trees. I, they just need to be planted at the right spots. And, and uh, you know, I've especially learned to love trees more as I 
as we get into the summer months each year and our electric bill goes up because we don't have trees shading our house. It makes me like trees more, especially when I hear of other people's energy bills that are living in shaded areas compared to ours. But um, there's, there's a real beauty, I guess when I notice the trees when I'm out hunting, fishing, um, and just driving the road too. You know, you see this big gnarled oak there in the middle of the field. Or you see this, these beaches that are just, you know, going way, way up and big round trunks. And I, I don't claim to know trees real well, but I do enjoy their beauty and uh, especially enjoy a wild cherry tree or a sour cherry tree that we had one growing up at our place in Missouri. And, and each year we had beautiful sour cherries. Uh, the, you get started eating them and you just couldn't stop because there's that certain sour, bittersweet taste that just, just made you have to take another one, have to take another one until you're sick. Well, that was a fruit. God talked a lot about trees. If you, if you look in the Bible, God has a lot to say about trees. The Genesis starts out with an interesting story about trees. Tree of good and evil and the tree of life. You know, if you, that, that's pretty significant how much, how much emphasis or how, big, how large a role trees played in, in, in the beginning. Uh, Genesis 1.29, God says, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. Genesis 2.9, the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So two peculiar trees there. And God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, from it, you will certainly die. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Of course, we know how the story moves along there. And then add to uh, God speaking to Adam, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. And God, the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. And then it says, he drove man out. He placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden a cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way of the tree of life. It's thought that God, in his mercy, kept Adam and Eve from eating of the tree of life. Had, because had they eaten of it, they would have forever lived forever in their sin and not had a way of, of, uh, of redemption. That's one thought. And, and I could see that. That would make sense. Well, then we move to Revelation. And if you go to the very last book of Revelation, Revelation 22, verse 2, Down the middle of the great street of the city on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. 
And then verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. And verse 19, if anyone takes away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life, which are described in this scroll. So you see, and, and then if you, if you do a, a search for tree or trees in your, in your uh, Bible, through your Bible, you'll find that there's lots of references made to trees. Uh, the... Uh, Abraham sitting under the shade of the, of the tree there and seeing the Lord come through. Just, there's just lots and lots of references. Also, God's instructions to the children of Israel when they're going into another, taking control of another uh, country or another uh, city. He said, you know, they, he told them that they could cut down any of the trees that weren't fruit bearing for use for their military works, but not to take any of the fruit trees because those were trees that they'd be needing for sustenance. It seems like God had a real eye for trees, real heart for trees. Well, now I'd like to move a little bit thinking of trees and, and uh, just move to thinking of man and how we could make some comparisons, pull some, um, pull some uh, examples from the tree, put them into use in our own lives. So I'm going to I'm going to look at the next session, uh, section here as being uh, entitled it the planted man, the planted man, not a man who is uh, not a seed that is a wild seed, but it's planted. Psalm one, uh, Psalm one one through three. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate. Day and night. And now note this. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. A tree planted, when it's, talk, when it's uh, said tree planted here in Scripture, it it's, it's, has a different connotation than simply a seed that, was, that landed out there. Uh, the the Mideast culture was such, or their, their way of farming was such that they, and especially in Egypt, that they would plant groves of trees and they would pull, draw off the Nile River and they'd, they'd, uh, they'd pull that water in and, and they could give those groves of trees uh, some extra water by simply pulling a little dirt over or pushing it out and they'd funnel a little channel of water along both sides of those trees and give them the... the moisture they needed. Um, God actually told the Israelites, when you go into Israel, it's not going to quite be like that. You're not going to be able to farm like that anymore. But it seems like the, the thought was still there of, of planting trees by rivers of water, planting them where they know that they'll bear fruit. <clears throat> they were an investment for those peoples. They were sustenance farmers. The apples, the pears, the apricots, almonds, figs, um, olives, all of these wealths of fruit, they needed to, first of all, plant the seed and wait for that seed to grow and come to maturity. And then, you know, they, then they could reap that crop. Um, 
We were in Romania, and there, one thing we noticed was the wealth of really, really good fruit that came into market. There, they have a market in each town, and often market days are staged differently in one town. It's on a Tuesday, the, the neighboring town is Wednesday. That way people could, could move, take their wares from one town to the other, the, the, the vendors could. And uh, so, so each town had its, its marketplace, and, and we really enjoyed the, the fruits that came out of the Mediterranean and, and those, some of those uh, other Mideastern countries. Uh, the nuts, it was, the, the, uh, especially the olives were, were incredible. Um, and, and uh, you know, I just have, that picture comes to my mind when I'm, when I'm reading this scripture. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water, yielding his fruit or bringing forth his fruit in his season. When we're looking, again, when we're looking more sustenance farmers, we take a lot of care because we know that if it doesn't happen, if the crop doesn't come to fruition, um, if we don't have money, and that crop doesn't come to fruition, we're going to go hungry. We're not used to living that way, but that's the way it is for a sustenance farmer, one that lives off the land. And they seek a good, healthy, and attractive fruit. So here's a tree that's planted very carefully. Jeremiah 17, 7. This seems like a parallel scripture here. Jeremiah 17, 7 says, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be like a tree, be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green and she shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. So a seed carefully planted, a seed that where, where there's thought put into it, a good seed. You can have that good seed, but you do need good soil. You need healthy soil conditions. I'd like to look at that a bit. Healthy soil conditions. And draw some parallels here again. Walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Godly influences being prevalent. I think that's um, such a, a need for, for a healthy soil. Godly influences being prevalent. Being around, being surrounded by godly influences. Godly people, godly reading materials, godly pictures, godly aspirations, godly ambitions, as kind of similar words there. Being surrounded by that, that being a good soil. Equally important, though, is to avoid ungodly counsel, ungodly thought, and ungodly patterns, ungodly ambitions. There needs to be that avoidance of that because you know, there, if you have a, even a good soil, if you have the right ingredients and you get a wrong ingredient pulled into there, it can ruin the effects of those good ingredients. So we need to be, look out for the, the ungodly counsel and, and keep that away or it can ruin the, the good soil. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, Embracing of God and of godly principles, a will to know God, a will to know God. 
You know, the first instance of a, of a person sitting in the seat of the scornful we find in Genesis, don't we? The woman, she's sitting in the seat of a very scornful person. Uh, you know, sitting, <coughs> listening to him, uh, taking his advice. Did God really say? Did he really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? An unhealthy questioning of God, uh, you know, to promote or feed our own desires, to promote or feed forbidden desires. Did God really say so? I think Eve was probably the first example, someone that sat in the seat in the council of the scornful. Rather, looking at the positive side, embracing God and, and godly principles. That makes for a good soil. Embracing God and godly principles, a will to know God. His delight is in the law of the Lord. <clears throat> the will to know the Lord, it's a conscious decision. A decision not unlike a decision that maybe you or I or someone else has sometimes made, some, sometime made to, to develop a taste for a healthier food. For me, it was uh, deciding that, you know, probably there are other dressings out there besides ranch. You know, there's probably something else healthier out there than ranch dressing. And, uh, you know, I found that there was, and they're actually good. There's some that are actually much better, and I don't really have a desire for ranch dressing anymore. It's not that, you know, if there's a salad, it has to be ranch on it. It's not that way anymore. We can develop a will. <clears throat> we, can, we can develop healthy uh, decisions and, and, and healthy, uh, healthy patterns. <clears throat> a decision to know the Lord. That is the healthiest decision. A decision to wrestle with boredom in, in studying and prayer. A decision to know the context and to, to unwrap scripture uh, through determined study and prayer. A decision to know the law of the Lord, to delight in the law of the Lord. It's a conscious decision. It's not unlike some of our hobbies, our revered hobbies that we have, you know, like hunting, fishing, biking, uh, skateboarding, exercise regimes, whatever they are. It's not like that. You know, it takes a lot of perseverance to, to really get into a good hobby and get good at it. And, and I think it'd be, I think I could speak for all the hunters. There's times in the woods you just as soon be in the house and, and be, a, you know, not have gotten out of bed and be freezing your toes off. You would have just as soon just stayed in the house and, and had a nice morning there drinking coffee. Um, <clears throat> now maybe, maybe, I've spoken for someone that would disagree with me, but uh, I think there are times, you know, even in those things that we really enjoy doing, that that uh, we find ourselves like, I'm done with this, I'm bored with it, but we keep on doing it simply because, you know, we, down deep, we do like it. We do, we do like what it does for us. Well, I think that's how we have to approach our Bible reading and prayers at times, we really have to stick with it and, and make an effort at delighting ourselves in the law of the Lord. And I find myself, I, I find that there are times that um, 
as I read scripture again, it, you know, it, it, grows, it grows on me. I, I thank the Lord for that. The evidences that are there that this is, this is getting better all the time. <clears throat> I just recently, I decided I'm going to try reading through the Bible in Romanian. And so you can follow up with me on that and encourage me uh, from reading through John. And that, that's coming pretty easy because John is one of the easiest books to read in another language. Now, when you get to uh, Revelation or you get into Peter's writing or Paul's writing, that gets a little more tedious if you're reading in another language. So I'll see how that goes, but I'm finding that very interesting. And uh, I'd encourage you, do something different if your Bible reading, your prayer isn't um, interesting. Sometimes just changing your pattern a bit can, can make a difference, can be helpful. But will to delight in the law of the Lord. We have to if we're going to succeed. A decision to fellowship and to listen to sermons, even when they're boring. Uh, a decision, that's delighting in the law of the Lord. Um, you know, I've been there and I'm afraid I've been on both sides too many times. Uh, but we have to make a decision. It's up to us whether, whether uh, you know, we get the desired result. A decision to fellowship with other brothers and sisters in prayer and godly sharing, which is quite the opposite of sitting in the seat of the scornful. Um, or it should be. And it is if they're brothers and sisters. A decision to do that. That's a way of delighting ourselves in the law of the Lord. And that makes for a very fertile uh, place for that seed to grow. For that godly planted tree seed to, to be planted and to, to move into uh, maturity. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord. Blessed is the man that trusteth in, trusteth in the Lord. This is an attitude of, of being willing or willing to believe that God's way is best, period. An attitude of willing to believe that God's way is best, period. This is an attitude of willing to obey as servants. An attitude of willing to believe that God can and will meet our needs. An attitude of willing to believe that God desires our best. God knows how much moisture we need. He knows how much fertilizer we need. He even knows how much pruning we need and how much it'll hurt us. He knows how much fruit we have potential of producing as well. It's an attitude of really willing ourselves to believe that. An attitude of understanding that although God has the ability to change circumstances, he has limited his power for the time being so that man can express his own desires and reap his own fruits. And I think it's important that we realize that. What I'm trying to say here is that sometimes we see things happening around us that we're like, how can this be? How can God let this happen? You know, why, why, why? And I think that at times we need to lean back take a deep breath and say and realize that 
God has made us people of volition. And he's made other people people of volition. They have choices they have to make. And God's not going, God's a gentleman. He likes to make the choices. He also lets them reap the uh, consequences or the fruits. And uh, we, we, have to, we have to trust God even in that. This is an attitude of willing ourselves to let final judgment and rewards to the wisdom of God. It's easy for us to jump in and say, well, so-and-so-and-so should happen to so-and-so-and-so or whatever to those people. Or, but, you know, we, we have to be willing to trust the Lord that he'll take care of things his way and his ways are best in his own good time. Trusting in the Lord, I believe, is so important. It's such an important part of a good, healthy soil. We have, to, we have to have that in our soil composition if our tree is going to grow well and healthy. Okay, the next part is the healthy tree. So we've got a good soil going on here, but now we want a healthy tree. You know, a soil out there by itself is, isn't going to do a whole lot. Uh, it might make, you might have good soil for pottery, but if it's not worked with in the right way, it's not going to turn into a piece of pottery by itself. Likewise, you need a seed uh, to go into that soil if, it's, if that soil is going to really reach its potential and do its thing. So a healthy tree. Going back to Psalms again, bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And then Jeremiah shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. It's fruitful. Amazing. That you can put a seed in soil, and it can, with some time, with some development, nurturing, that seed can turn a fruit out. In the, it's, it's amazing to me when I stop and think about it. A fruit that's good to eat, a nice... Juicy orange is just unbeatable. The one that you know you actually pull from the trees, matured all the way on the tree, uh, tree ripened. It's it's uh, it's it's amazing. It bears fruit at, at the time appointed by its creator each year, every every time. Not unless there's you know some other uh, tinkering or tampering that's been done in its its cycle. It's going to normally it's going to produce that fruit again year after year. Its foliage stays healthy. It's planted by the tree, by the rivers of water. It's got water flowing around it. Its foliage stays healthy even when the sun's beating hot day after day. It's got nutrients. It's got water coming up. It can drink. Heat and drought doesn't destroy the leaf. It doesn't ruin its shade over those, the, that fruit. Some have alluded that that. Uh, you may be talking about an evergreen tree, that, that Christians are to be evergreens. I hesitate to, to say that I rather think it's a fruit tree um, because, you know, the, the, the leaves always stay healthy. That, that it says her leaf shall be green. I, I tend to think that God knows that we need times of rest, that we're more like just like a fruit tree that needs a time of being able to shed the leaves, a time of, of backing up, of regaining our strength. 
a time of renewal. But even in its rest, you know, the, the, the fruit tree or any other tree, even in the wintertime, provide shelter. They provide support structure for animals, for squirrels, for birds. Um, they, they still provide for, the, uh, for humanity and for the animal kingdom. Prospers. Prospers, the, the tree, the healthy tree prospers in whatsoever he doeth. Now that, that takes a little bit of a, a stretch for me. I, I, I looked at this for a while. He prospers. I was like, do we really always prosper in whatever we do? And I did somehow put this in the context of the writers. Um, that word prospers in the context of the, of, of the writers. Uh, thought of David, for example. David, he had, he had his share of challenges. He had his share of uh, being on the run, of, uh, even while he was being obedient to God. And what if he said, you know, when he was hiding in the cave from Saul, that I'm prospering. Or Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. <clears throat> you know, he certainly had his low points, his times when he was what it seemed to be have been at the bottom. You know, what if he penned that phrase, neither shall he cease yielding fruit while he was down in the, the muck and the, the mire of the pit? No doubt he was hungry, cold, and, and probably worse feeling the rejection of his fellow Israeli brethren. What if he said, or Judah brethren, what if he said, you know, I'm prospering down here. I'm, I'm cold and I'm hungry and I'm, I'm going to die soon, but I'm prospering. Probably wouldn't have felt that way. And probably David didn't feel that way either at times. But it says here that that, that tree that's planted by the streams of living water that has the, the right soils, it's, it, that it prospers. Or what about Job? He loved the Lord and was faithful. He was, uh, you know... God even talked about him. Here's, here's a Job, here's a man that's righteous in all his ways. Uh, even God said that about him. Uh, what if he always said that, you know, I'm prospering? You know, his life seemed like a catastrophic train wreck at one point. Um, his children, he became childless, robbed, was physically hurting and ill to the point of death reviled even by those he had supported. They spit in his face. And his friends weren't very kind. And he's living with an embittered and, and hopeless spouse. And, and, you know, do you think he would have said at that point that, yes, I'm, I'm prospering? Um, I don't think so. I think there, there are times that we have to, even in that, when we know that we're doing the right thing, when we know that the soil is like it should be, that we're not trusting in the counsel of the ungodly, we're not sitting in the seat of the scornful, um, and yet things are not, don't seem so prosperous, I think those are times that even then we have to, to uh, go back to that trust part of our soil. We have to go back to that trust part. And realizing that even in prospering, we have to trust that to the Lord. God takes the long view. Even our vision 
our what we think is our really good vision is is short-sighted very short-sighted compared to God's understanding and and there's times we really have to trust God that when he says we will prosper if we delight in his law that that he will prosper us it's times we really just have to trust and we have to stick to that trust and and uh not try to put terms on what the prospering means. Just trust that God is prospering us, even though we don't really understand how it's happening. A few, a few uh, tree thoughts here in, in summary. Just a few practical thoughts about trees and, and bringing them to our own lives. Number one is root, root deep. Mighty or healthy trees are the sum of their roots and nutrients. Pay attention to your roots. Develop your spiritual study through, through or develop your spiritual life through, through studying obedience to the word. Like Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Also root wide. Don't just root deep, but root wide. And I'm, I'm maybe, maybe this may sound a bit redundant, but it doesn't hurt to build a little redundancy into things I've heard already. Um, root, healthy trees are, are, are better off when they have a broad spread of roots. You know, they're better equipped to face the wind the storms, uh, whatever comes their way. And, and I'd like to liken that in, to friends. Uh, draw insight and lessons from a broad base of good friends, healthy friends. So, uh, Proverbs 18.24 says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And then uh, there's been a lot of discussion. Who is that friend? It could be the Lord. It could be a close friend. Uh, friend that you have that would stick closer than a brother. But then back in uh, verse 22 of Proverbs, it says, uh, of Proverbs 18, it says, whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. So maybe it's talking about a wife. Maybe it's talking about a spouse. But, um, you know, there's the thing of, of drawing from the water. There's also a thing of drawing water from fellow brother, brothers and sisters. If you find a friend that's willing to take the time, the energy, and the risk of giving you godly counsel. You know, it, it takes time, it takes energy to, to really give godly counsel. Um, and there's also risk involved. There's the risk of someone not accepting your counsel or my counsel. Uh, and, you know, maybe severing even a friendship. So if you find that person that's willing to do that, to take the time, energy, and risk of giving you godly counsel, listen up. It's you, 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 uh, you can't do anything better than to, to listen up to. This could be, again, your spouse, your dad, your grandma, your minister teacher, your friend. Uh, and remember, the best advice at times is not the most desired or the convenient advice that you'd like to hear. In fact, some of the best advice that I've received in my short lifetime, has, has left me feeling a little bit upset, a little bit um, um, 
you know, irritated at the giver at the moment it was given. And, you know, it doesn't mean that every word of advice that, gets from, that comes from a person that's willing to give good advice is exactly what um, the way we need to go, but sometimes it is. Sometimes it means that there are adjustments we need to make. But foremost, I'd like to stress, we need to take it in consideration, serious consideration, when someone's willing to, to give good advice. Develop a friendship or develop friendships with people who demonstrate spiritual maturity. Uh, some of those friends may even be slow in giving advice. Perhaps, you know, they fear rejection or, or perhaps they don't really think they um, have the advice to give. I urge you, uh, ask advice of them. Dig deep into their stores of wisdom. Don't, uh, don't let them off the hook. Ask it of them. Dig it from them if you have to. It's worth it. Pursue both sides of the issue. There are times when we'd like to do something, you know, maybe dress a little differently, enjoy some liberty, develop a relationship, Maybe sometimes red flags are put up and immediately we tend to, to try to figure out and justify why doing that thing or taking that liberty or whatever is, is okay, it's fine. And we tend to not look at the other side. You know, we're, we're open-minded. That's the reason why we're, we're willing to, to consider that. We consider ourselves open-minded. But in our open-mindedness, we forget to consider the red flags really in an open-minded way. We just look at those red flags and I'm speaking to myself. I see these inclinations, these tendencies in myself. We see these red flags as, as uh, barriers instead of, of good, uh, good uh, pointers. And we don't explore those like we should too many times, but we don't want to. So in, in the, in, uh, in growing that tree and in, in maturing, spreading those roots, um, take, take, uh, develop truly good friendship, good friendships that are from the counsel of the, of the godly. How can you be sure that you're getting good advice? First of all, it's biblical. Check and see if it's biblical. And uh, one of those would be the first commandment with promise is to honor one's parents. So we know that that's, it's, it, you know, that's pretty elementary there. Um, also, does it line up with, with uh, scripture or with good teaching? With, does, it, does it make sense? That person that's giving the good advice, has he been successful in his, in his walk? Aim high. Don't just grow towards, um, you know, try to grow as high as the, as the tree around you. Um, aim towards the sun. That's where healthy trees aim towards. They, they, want, to, they want to draw from the, the sunlight. They, they don't just, you know, try to grow to see as, if they can be as tall as tree B over here. And, and I believe that's what should be our goal. We should aim towards the sun, S-O-N, towards, I mean, S-U-N. I'm sorry, got that mixed up. S-O-N, towards Christ. 
Uh, Colossians 3, 1 says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Aim for the sun. Aim high. Um, it's, certainly to have, it's certainly good to have good, healthy role models. But the most important role model that we can have is, is Christ, is the Lord Jesus. And it's worth noting that good, healthy role models will point us to the Son, will continuously point us to the Son, to Christ. And then grow broad. Healthy trees are highly esteemed by man, by beast, by bird, for the shelter and the... And the uh, and the shade, all these things that their broad shoulders provide, their branches provide, offer. Grow to be of good service to all. See responsibility, even the humblest of tasks, as a God-given opportunity. Galatians 6 says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto those who have the household of faith. grow fruit. Healthy trees bear fruit that give nourishment to man and beast. Galatians 5.22 talks about the fruits of the Spirit. You know, we can get a nice, good, healthy pear, plum, orange, whatever you like, put that, or apple. I'm not that crazy about apples, but if you are, put the apple in there. You know, we can, we can a tree can grow that. But we're, as people, are given a greater opportunity. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. We have all these fruits that we can grow. Beautiful fruits, beautiful spiritual fruits that have the means of providing nourishment, salt and light to all those around us. Be grounded. Be grounded. Healthy trees become noble because they don't become ungrounded. They don't, their roots don't come out of the ground. You know, you take a tree, pull it over, its roots can't get water anymore. What happens? Pretty soon the leaves start dying, the fruit withers up, and it's done. It's no longer a nice, noble, healthy tree. I was reading about the oak tree. It says the oak tree can draw up to 50 gallons of water per day out of the ground. Well, you know what happened when what happens pretty quickly when you pull an oak out of the ground in, in a bit of time while well, you'll see those leaves just turn brown and, and dry up. It's not going to make those, uh, make those acorns that they make its fruit that the deer like and other animals like. So be grounded. Keep your, keep your roots. Stay rooted in the word. And Ephesians 3.17 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by love, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, length, depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with the, all the fullness of God. Being rooted and grounded in love in Christ. That Christ may dwell in your hearts. Jesus also said in, in John 15.4, talking about the vine and the branches. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, 
except ye abide in me. In Romania, we, we pruned, oh, we had lots of nice vines. We had a, a courtyard that was about the size of this auditorium here. And we had vines that were strung across. They were planted before we got there. And one of the things I enjoyed, it was a chore, but I did enjoy it a lot, was to, to prune those vines. We pruned them twice, once early in the spring, then, then just before they were bearing, we pruned them again. And uh, we'd get piles of prunings, I mean, big, big pile of, of, uh, of vines off of those. And what we were trying to do is, is prepare them so they could produce, put all their energy into the fruit. And uh, it was, you know, it's just interesting. I mean, it was natural, but it's also interesting to see how quickly, as soon as you pulled that, this, took those nice healthy leaves, cut, the, cut them from the branch, threw them down there, how soon they just start shriveling up, just drying up. And, you know, that was it. I mean, take them out, and in a couple of weeks, you could burn them. Um, well, that's how we are if we're not abiding in the vine. So stay in the vine, stay grounded, rooted, and, and uh, then you can bear fruit. You can be a, a planted tree, a carefully cultivated tree that, that will uh, bring glory to God, will bring uh, good to, to mankind, will be successful and prosperous by the grace of God. God bless you.